Welcome to Siblinghood of Recovery. Hello, happy April 1st weekend. I hope you were given a great joke by somebody that loves you and doesn't want to scare you too much. My uh, 14-year-old had a teacher call me from school and she said, hi, this is so-and-so and, uh, you know, your son was caught in, in the bathroom vaping and, you know, the sheriff's office is coming out to search the backpacks. I'm like, all right. And she's like, well, I just want to let you know. And I'm like, okay, have you looked in the backpack yet? And she's like, no, no, they're coming out and they're going to search the backpacks. And he was caught in the bathroom and the kids were vaping. I'm like, okay, well, call me back when the sheriff gets there, right? <laughs> so I don't know if you've seen the, uh, there's a TikTok video that my son showed me and he said, there's, there's this mom on here and you're a lot like her. So there's a helicopter mom and then there's a seventies mom and the helicopter mom is like, okay, when you get off the bus, just text me and I'll come walk with you home. Or you can just call me and I'll stay on the phone with you from the bus until you get to the house. And then there's the seventies mom. She's like, yeah, I got to work today. So let yourself in. There's a snack in the fridge and I'll see you at five 30. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, which one am I? He's like, well, you kind of lean to the 70s, mom. And I looked at him, he's like, yeah, you're a lot like the 70s, mom. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Yeah, there was a lot of us. There was a lot of us back in the 70s and 80s that were were latchkey kids. But we just, that was part of it. That's what we had to do, right? You know, so. All right, so let's get it started. Up front, I'm going to, Remind everybody that this is just a podcast. I'm just a mom who's doing the step work. I provide as much information as I can on the value of it. Today, I'm going to talk about step four in the ACA recovery process. It is tough. It is really, really tough. And I'll go over a couple concepts. For anybody who's in recovery, strongly recommend a licensed therapist who is very familiar with addiction, that that therapist doesn't have it on a long list and it's at the bottom of it. Another thing is please join a 12-step meeting, 12-step program, hit up Al-Anon and Families Anonymous. Those are two great 12-step programs to start with. All right, so today I'm going to dig into what are our motivators when we try to protect our children? What is the true underlying cause of that desire to protect our children? For me personally, it is because of the dysfunction that I experienced as a child. The sexual abuse, the trauma that I experienced at the age of six forever changed me. It put inside my mind that I had to defend my children's circle of influence at all costs. Nobody, nobody would be getting to my children to sexually harm them. And what I failed to realize is in that protection, in that trauma that I had probably not resolved completely until my fifth decade on this earth, I passed down intergenerational trauma. I passed down a dysfunction And I created an environment where I automatically assumed, automatically assumed 
that there was a danger, that there was a threat. So in the episodes before, I've gone into the fight and flight aspect of processing emotions, processing situations, and the fear and anxiety that happens at a neural level within your brain, within your mind. It's pretty complex. I can't get into it at a scientific level. I can provide you some articles that can. At an emotional level, I know that that is a stressor. And I also know that that stress coming from the mother, it creates a dynamic and it creates a response system in the child that is extremely unhealthy. So the aspect of me wanting to protect my children is really broken down into me doing exactly what so many researchers have discovered and captured so well. It comes down to me passing down trauma, intergenerational trauma. Raise my hand. I did it. So here I am today. And why am I talking about it? I'm talking about it because the inventory that we have to take in step four, and I highly recommend not doing it alone. I know I can't. But the inventory that we have to take is so necessary because if we don't take it, we're just going to keep giving that not so wonderful gift away to all those around us. All right, let me do some readings for you and take a step back from from what I'm actually processing this month. I'm going to read from the book, Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. This is in chapter seven, page 154. Without knowing the meaning of the abandonment encoded within the past, the adult child is doomed to repeat it. The unexamined past becomes the future of the next generation. Dependence, addiction, and hellish living are passed on to the next generation with amazing accuracy. As we go through whatever we have experienced as children, and we look back as parents, there's so much want and desire and hope not to repeat mistakes of the past. What happens then is, I know at least for me, I focused on controlling the situation to the point of not, quote unquote, letting bad things happen. And as I go through the recovery cycle and the process and the learning, I find that the best time I can heal, the best time I can go forward is when I really focus on my higher power, when I focus on having faith, when I focus on letting go that sense of control. Do I worry? Absolutely. Will I ever stop worrying? Probably not. But can I let go of more worry with each day? Yeah, it's getting better. And I do need help. I need those around me that love me to encourage a good dialogue, a strong dialogue that is one of transparency and honesty and also a complete lack of codependency. I can't go there. I I don't want to go to... any kind of codependent relationship ever again. And that brings me to another reading. This is from one of my favorite authors, Dr. Brad Reedy, and it's from The Journey of the Heroic Parent. 
This is also from chapter 7, page 159. Codependency is essentially a lack of differentiation. It is being too close to another, so close that there is no space for the other person and their feelings. The term close doesn't really describe it accurately because it is actually disconnected. People who struggle with codependencies have a lack of self, a lack of boundaries, and over-identification with others and their behaviors. The inability to let somebody have their own emotion, their own space, their own discomfort, and that's what I've learned most from Dr. Brad Reedy is that when you give somebody the ability for them to feel discomfort, you're actually, in addition to letting go, in addition to having faith, you also give that person an opportunity to learn. For me to be a vigilant mom and protect my children from opportunities that might open them up to sexual predators, absolutely. But for me to bring that fear into their world did not serve any of us well. It was a trauma that I had to deal with and I wish I had dealt with it sooner, but but I can't go back. So this brings me to the aspect of protection. And this brings me to the aspect of faith. If I approach a situation and I see the bad, that manifestation might happen. But if I approach a situation and see the good and hope for good and pray for good, that energy that I bring in is so much more positive. It is so much more healthy for those around me, but most of all for myself. So we go into the deep dive of helping, which was the last episode, and protection. So when you're walking into a situation and you, if as so many of us who have had some traumatic experiences in our life and you're scanning the room, and you're looking for the threat, where are you seeing the beauty that might be in the room? Where are you seeing the beauty that you can bring to the situation that you've just walked into? And that's where I'm at with the step four. That's where I'm at. As I take the inventory, the inventory of my life, some of the things that have happened to me in my childhood, some of the things that I honestly, I don't want to remember. But while I go in and I do that inner child work and I take that child's hand that I see in my memory, what I also have to do is see the beauty in her. And I also have to say, you know what? You've done a really good job of surviving. You've done a really good job of protecting Whatever it is that you thought that you had to protect, now it's time to let go. Now it's time. Once you take that inventory, it is time to start building the life that you want, that you need. Build it today. Be here now. Build it. Feel it. Embrace it. And this brings me to one of the coolest things that I saw last week when I did research for this podcast. This is from the Skit Guys, and it's www.skitguys.com. And this was recorded back in November of 2018, and they do a skit 
on the serenity prayer. And at the end, the guy who is playing God, he says to the the earthly human who is saying the serenity prayer, and I'll put the link in the show notes so you can see the visual because it's on YouTube, and you, and you see the guy sitting there trying so hard to say the serenity prayer, and his and his fists are clenched, and he's he's saying it over and over again, and and the the guy who's playing God continuously slows him down. He says, "Stop trying to fight so hard. Open up your hand." and start receiving from me. So that's where I'm at. I've been a fighter for so long because I've had to be. I've fought fiercely for those I love. I've fought fiercely for myself. I will always be that person who will fight for what I feel is right. But I can tell you, because of recovery, I am going to be a person who will receive, who will open my heart up to my higher power to the beauty that's around me, to the beauty of this recovery program, and I will receive. So I'm going to leave you with this. When you walk into a room or when you walk into a situation and you feel like you have to protect someone, check into your feelings, check in with yourself, and be honest. Are you being triggered by anything? Are you in a space of worry? Can you take a pause and look around you and see if there's anything good happening as well. And maybe take a breath and focus on the good first. Focus on what is right in that room, in that situation. And then focus on what is right inside you. And as you do that, as you do that with love, you can also look at those around you with love, especially if you have a family member in recovery, look at what they are doing in front of you with love. I had a situation today where I was worried about something and I called my son and I said, help me through this. You know, you know how I am. I'm super organized. And he's like, well, this is where I'm at. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. And as I looked at him, I saw the strength that he's been building over this last year in recovery. I looked at him and I saw a clear head, a clear mind. Yeah, he was kind of pissed off that he had to talk to mom about this thing that we had to get organized. And guess what? That's okay. I mean, that's how far we've come. I looked at his discomfort and having to just help me walk through this. And I was thinking, that's all right. We can handle it. But I loved seeing that strength. I loved seeing that health, that personal quest that he has, that he's got going, that I'm not involved in 100%. I am here. I am here for him 100%, but he is on his own journey. So I'm going to wrap up and just to close out the story of my youngest who is still in school and living at home with me, he did end up calling me back and saying, mom, mom, it was April Fool's. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, whatever's in the backpack. You know what? We're going to work it out. I mean, and I trust you and I trust you not only to know better, I trust you to learn from something. Man, this recovery journey, it's like... I wish everybody in the world could do it, but I think if everybody in the world did it, they'd walk around like Roy Kent from Ted Lasso, because honestly, I do that every now and then. 
I'll go through my recovery process. I'll go through step four. I'll be working it. And just randomly, when my kid's not in the house, I will sound like Roy Kent. I plan to be doing this for probably the rest of my life. So I'll be like that 95-year-old woman in uh, in the old folks' home walking around <laughs> yelling like Roy Kent. So there you have it. Got to laugh and embrace it and uh, receive. That's what I'm going to leave you with. I hope you have a wonderful week and check out my website. I've got some really cool stuff on there, www.siblinghoodofrecovery.com. I'm on Instagram. And remember, be good to yourself. I'll talk to you later. Bye.